Yeah, it's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show, and it is my honor to have three members of the mighty, funky Jamiroquai. It's Matt Johnson, keyboardist for Jamiroquai, Derek McKenzie, the drummer for Jamiroquai, and also Paul Turner, bassist for Jamiroquai. That sounds kind of, was all redundant, wasn't it? <laughs> All of them from Jamaica. <laughs> hey guys. So, hey guys. So let's start. The one uh, is a modern technology. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure who who I should start with. Oh, out of the three of you, uh, Derek, I know you've you've been with them the longest. You've been with them since what '94, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no, my... yeah, January '94. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's actually when I came on board. It was actually a friend of mine had a guitarist for a band. He he got emergency on planet Earth, and I was actually ninety three. But he okay. came he came to me and he said, "You need to hear this because this is really completely and totally up your alley." Me being a, you know a Prince fanatic and liking the whole jazz funk and brand new heavies and all the stuff. And cool. He just said he said you need to hear this, and I I popped it in, and I was like. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> so fantastic. And we're definitely going to get to you, Derek, because I want to hear some of the stories cool. of some of the things that are coming. Well, I really want to talk about some of that history from back then, the 90s, because that was like right on the cusp of, uh-huh. of Jamiroquai coming out and just kicking out into the into the ether. But right. uh, Matt, you came in board on in t- about 2002, and uh, you replaced right, Toby. Yeah. You replaced Toby. And I did, yeah. So, and I'm I'm kind of curious as to what the whole process is. You know, how you met J.K., how you went into the whole. I guess the interview process and the rehearsal processes and and everything and how how exactly you got involved with Jamiroquai. Right. Well, actually, if Derek was the one that got my number. I mean, basically, these guys were auditioning. They were doing a couple of days auditions, and I recently, just before that audition, I'd auditioned for another band, an artist called Miss Dynamite, and in that band happened to be Simon Katz and Stuart Zender, you know who. Uh, early members of Jamiroquai. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in, in the end, it was for a second keyboard player. In the end, they didn't need a second keyboard player, but they obviously liked my playing. And they, uh, when Derek was looking for keyboard players, I think Simon Katz gave him my number as someone good to try out. So then yeah. I just, yeah, I just learned the tunes. Turned up. Funny enough, I knew Rob Harris, the guitarist from the band anyway. I'd known him from years before. Uh, but yeah, I just turned up to audition and, and got the gig. And then a week later, we were on tour around your life in the arena stuff. Yeah. Well, and you started doing a lot of writing with Jay. I mean, I guess starting, well, yeah. starting before Automaton, I guess, but well, I mean, how is it mm. when you're a writer and you're creating music? Cause I know you yeah. also had in, involvement in the album previous to that as well. But how is it yeah. as a writer to be in a situation where all the material is already written and you're just kind of just following suit? And, and how, how difficult was it to really kind of get into the writing process and actually become a, a co-writer in, of sorts in this band? Mm, okay, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, playing other people's material, I think in this case it was really easy for me because to give Toby his credit, I always really liked his parts and the sounds that he used. 
it was my cup of tea anyway. So I've, and I've, never, I've always enjoyed playing his parts because I just think he came up with some great parts with great sounds. Mm-hmm. So that's always been cool. But obviously I always wanted to put my own stamp on things. Um, but with Dynamite and Rock Dust, I had a fair bit of input because um, Jay sort of used me to come up with the chords for a lot of those songs. But it was really only when we got to Automaton that I think I had a chance to really collaborate with Jay on more of an equal footing. So there's there's a lot of me in that record because that was very much uh, compositionally-wise, that was me and him sitting in a room and really working it out. So um, that's been a good thing for me to finally feel that I kind of could coll- collaborate with him in the same way that Toby had early on you know, with those classic albums that they made together. Kind of tell people about Jay's style of, of writing, because people just think that he's just the the face of the band and just a, a guy who wears silly hats and dances around, but there's a lot more to Jay than people probably on, realize. There's, if they right, don't and there's more? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you must have him. Yeah. I don't know. The voice from behind the curtain. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't expect me to be quiet all the time. Show people some. Of, <laughs> tell people about some of the deeper elements of Jay. <laughs> Let's go there. Oh, uh, you know, he, he, he's a very creative guy. I mean, he doesn't play an instrument, but he'll he'll always come in with some little idea, and he'll just sing a little riff to you, and he'll have some melody, and it might completely change from where it started. In fact, normally it does, but there'll be a germ of an idea that he'll have. And he's very good at sort of sitting with someone like me and chipping away at something until he can get the sort of things that he gets turned on by. And then he starts coming up with stuff. He's very much, I suppose, comes from the James Brown school of things where he'll just... Just going to say that, yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) And you've kind of got to interpret that and, uh, and try and turn it into something that, you know, you think makes some sort of sense. But what I like about working with him is because he's not a musician in that sense, he can come up with quite unusual ideas that that really work in, you know, in a cool way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a lot. That's That's pretty much the the same way because I think I had heard Derek say this uh, in an interview uh, a while back about, Jay being a very mm-hmm. percussive type of singer, so his his vocals are, mm-hmm. are, are really mm-hmm. just the, the way mm-hmm. that he yeah. delivers is very focused on on. He the seems beat like a brass the... player. He seems like a yeah, yeah. He seems like a horn player to me, like a like a trumpet section. He's always got this, sh- like Michael Jackson did as well. Short, snappy phrases, right. you know. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about. So let's move on to Paul here, and then, and then as we go through, and after Paul, I'm going to talk with Derek, and then I want to talk a little bit about this tour. <laughs> now, I'm sure Paul's got a little Sorry. something to add here, because Paul, you uh, you've been with Jamiroquai since 2005, I guess, and and before you That's were right. with Jamiroquai, you were you've played with uh, let's see, Brian Ferry, Tina Turner, George Michael. I mean, there's all kinds of people. How did you end up in Jamiroquai's camp? Much like Matt, really, in as much as I was asked to go and audition, there was a couple of days auditioning going on with um, a, a couple of groups of, of, play, of bassists that were invited over a couple of days. And I think somebody had obviously um, put my name forward. I, I didn't actually know any of the guys in the in the band directly, but I had worked with some previous kind of... Um, additional members 
So guys who'd been in the horn section before, um, I'd been in a, I used to be in a band called Down to the Bone, which um, a sax player called Adrian Ravel was in, and a guy called Schiltz, Paul Weimer, who was in the brand new heavies. I think he'd also done some stuff with with Jay um, in the past as well. So I'd, I'd kind of moved in circles that, that kind of crossed into those areas and somehow or other um, my name was put forward and I went and did the audition and from there um, obviously got the gig and started doing the the touring dates and live shows and, and uh, sorry I should say live promotion for the Dynamite album um, so that's how I kind of got involved and yeah I mean I, you know you saying that you can remember getting or hearing Emergency on Planet Earth and Space Cowboy back in the day yeah I can remember Doing, doing the same thing and then you know I was actually at the Kentish Town gig in 93 or 90 uh, yeah 93 um, seeing the band as well so it was always right up my street as well so I was uh, really really happy to, to get the call What band do you think that you've played with in the past that more or less is was really the same as as Jamiroquai had the same feeling the same production quality the same professionalism was there any band that kind of fit into that there mold? wasn't really any, anything no there was there wasn't really anything that was um i mean there's there's nothing really that's um directly comparable to Jamiroquai really because it's quite a, a unique um sounding band i think and i mean i know everything has its influences and what have you but i think the um the way it's kind of come through over the years and, and developed into different corners of of uh, st- still a jazz funky sound, but but kind of exploring disco elements and r- rockier tinges, and it's always had quite a, a unique individual sound. But I think it was probably just I'd, I'd done a lot of UK R and B things as well, and probably that band down to the bone was the was kind of the closest. In as much as that was very much a jam band, there was no singer. It was two horns, percussion, drums, guitar, keyboards, and bass. So it was very much a kind of a groove-orientated band where we just play funky grooves and people would solo over them. And they had quite a bit of success in, in the U.S., actually, and we did a lot of touring there. But that was probably the closest thing, but it was obviously not on the same level, nowhere near the same level of success, The close in one respect, but not certainly not in another. And the other things that had been successful were more... The artist directly before doing Jamiroquai had actually been working with Annie Lennox for a few years, which I continued to do so a little bit um, when when Jay took downtime. But but that was um, it's, it was some of the other artists that you mentioned that have been the, the things that I've done that have been the most successful. But they didn't necessarily compare stylistically with Jamiroquai. Yeah, definitely, definitely a total different beast. But I've always wondered what it looks like from the inside because from the outside, it always every single time you do a live show or some type of production or some performance, it always looks like it's just been polished over and over and over again. And, and maybe you guys just lucked out and it just looks that way. I think, I think this is where it's not like that yeah. at all. <laughs> it's nothing like that at all, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's just, um, uh, there you go. Those smiles are so, actually so just relief. The, the smiles are a relief at the end. 
Right. <laughs> so, Derek, let's 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 but bring is, you in. That is the fun of the band, and it's the makeup of the band. You know, well, it's and, the way and it's that always it works, be... and it's the way that Jay likes to kind of have it work. So, well, you can always, you can feel that too. You can feel that there's no. It's it's just it's just very very loose and 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 just good feeling, and and there's not a lot of bands that can exactly. pull that off at, at, and actually yeah. project that, and that's. That's one of the amazing things about Jamiroquai. But Derek, let's talk yeah. let's talk about your involvement because besides Jay, you're pretty much the cool. oldest member in the band, and that is you've been on board since nineteen ninety four. No, he is he is actually the oldest member. I, I am he actually is. the oldest member <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Age wise, <laughs> right. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, so, D. So, so, the the so how did you get involved? <laughs> So how did you get involved with Jamiroquai? Well, I actually came from an outfit called Urban Species, which I was doing at the time. And then and it was like a two, I was with them for about two years, doing like a hip hop tour and recorded some bits from their album and stuff. They were signed to uh, Talking Loud, as it goes. And then I got the call from Jay's publisher at the time. And he said, you know, do you want to join this band called Jamiroquai? So... At the time, I actually hadn't heard of them. It was just kind of strange. I actually hadn't heard of them, but I'd heard the track, not knowing it was them. So I heard the Too Young to Die track, right. but not knowing it was the name of the band was Jamiroquai, because I just saw this blank poster everywhere, but with nothing on it. It was just the, just the Buffalo Man. I was like, oh, okay, that's quite different. Um, and then my friend gave me the album to listen to. So I actually listened to the album on the way over to do on the way over to the or the, on the way over to the audition and just listen to the track and whatever da, 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 turned up to the audition and I was the last person on the last day the last drummer on the last day and and I ended up doing like a two hour audition so in like the first kind of half hour I was playing with uh, Stuart Toby and Wallace at the time uh, and then Jay came in, of course, I didn't even know what he looked like or anything. He goes, all right, mate, I'm Jay. I'm like, oh, all right, mate, nice to meet you. Da, 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 da. Not even knowing who he was, you know, and he just stood up there just listening. And then next thing I know, he picks, picks up the mic, starts singing, and then, of course, the, the voice, I recognized oh, the yeah. voice instantly. And, and we just started to, like, kind of just jam out some tracks and stuff. And so I did that for about two hours, just having a bit of fun and everything. And then a couple of days later, I had to go back for a second audition with another guy and, and did the second audition, which is like nearly three hours long and ended up. And then I got the call the next day to say, you got from the manager at the time, Kevin, he said, oh, oh just to let you know, you've got the job. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you for not his history. letting me waste five hours of my life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a waste. I actually really enjoyed it. It was really good. It was really good. <laughs> And then at the back end of one of those, at the end of the audition, we actually started just, just kind of jamming out ideas and everything. And one of the ideas, one, the first idea that came out was uh, just another story that was done in, that was actually written in the audition. So that's huh. quite uh, ironic. Yeah. Well, I, and that's me. <laughs> so I guess you'd probably be the best person to answer this question was, you know, when you listen to... Uh, albums, even three albums removed from Emergency on Planet Earth to, I mean, even where Jamiroquai is now. What is your feeling right. towards the raw 
full instrumentation sound as opposed to the more techno leanings that Jamiroquai had, had taken increasingly over the um, years? Well, what's hap- what happened with myself, what has happened was that I was kind of always been brought up to that kind of disco funk kind of vibe. That's what I listened to anyway, prior to Jamiroquai. So I would listen to um, Patrice Rush and Donald Burr, Johnny Hammond. Uh, but then also I listened to like kind of Acid House and and more kind of uh, mainstream, mainstream dark stuff as well. And what I wanted to do was was bring that influence into the band. And it, it, I think it came across more in Travelling Without Moving, to be honest, that more that disco, disco-esque, right. I suppose, kind of feeling. that. And it's kind of transitioned more as I've kind of got more into dance music. I've kind of wanted to do that, which now Matt has kind of perfectly, Matt's done really well. He's done that hybrid thing of mixing drums with electronics, you know, and getting the sound really balanced, you know, really well. So it comes across, you know, so it comes across really, really good, you know, and even live, um, you know, when we play the tracks Automaton and even some of the older tracks, Cosmic Girl, um, Emergency and stuff, we just use like, we use kind of hybrid sounds, you know, so it's a cross between acoustic kit and electronic kit. And I've always wanted to do that you know, bring that across from, from years back, but it's always been a difficult thing. But uh, it's just a, a, a natural progression for me to kind of develop the sound and always push it, push it forward, pushing the barriers, you know? Well, Matt, what do you think about, about the progression? I mean, because obviously as a keyboardist, you're, you're obviously going to always be pushing for, for the more tech, you know, techno sound mm-hmm. because you're pretty much at the core of that. Yeah, it's not really, it's, 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 it's not really because I'm a keyboard player, but I think Derek really, said it quite succinctly there it's like you have to keep pushing you know you can't just do the yeah. same thing year in year yeah, out right. you know yeah. and if yeah. we made an album if we made an album now that sounded like return of the space cowboy everyone's just going to slag us off you know like oh look yeah. they're trying to do what they did 20 years ago you know but they're yeah. older now you know uh, <laughs> I think, and any any decent artist can't just stay in that so-called classic period, you know, they've got to yeah. just keep pushing. And, and so for me, yeah. really, with, with Automaton, from a production point of view, which obviously I, I produced the album with Jay, and I really pushed, because I wanted, like, kids of 18 or 19 to be able to relate to what we did, you know. And I think it, it was successful in that sense that, you know, I, I, I see loads of messages from, like, young kids. I've never heard of Jamaica before, but I heard this track, I love it. Then they go back and they yeah. revisit and they look at all the earlier albums as well and they, you know, they come to love them too. But their portal into that little punk world is the fact that it was sort of now dressed in a way that that they can sort of relate to, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, yeah well, it does. Yeah. And I think that, you know, part of it also is the is obviously what we're being force-fed actually here in the States with radio. I mean, most everything is just very, right. it's it's very um, uh, computer re- you know, related music. So I think that you know, from mm-hmm. a mu- from a musician standpoint, you know, some people will listen to the radio. I mean, a lot of you know people who actually play instrumentation, they listen to the radio now, and they're just like, it's just just driving me crazy because it just feels like yeah, you sure. know, like live instrumentation is just kind of gone the way of the dodo bird. 
And I, I think there, there's definitely a difference between uh, what we're hearing on the radio here and what we're hearing, what you guys probably are hearing over in the UK. What is radio like over there? I, I, we hear a lot. We hear that. Uh, most of it's terrible here as well. <laughs> most of it's terrible. You know. <laughs> I'm so worried. I'm ready, I'm it's not all terrible. <laughs> it's not all terrible. There's always great it's things all, come it's through. All terrible. <laughs> no, there's good things come through, of course. But you know, it's that's the way of the world. But I, I always maintain that even in the '70s, most music was terrible. Do you know what I mean? We just remember the good stuff. But if you actually look back, you can hear some truly awful singles that were released in the '70s. <laughs> so so you guys are actually going to be doing a tour one of the things that I, I were i'm definitely interested in because you're very very close to here in the states you're going to be coming through for an event called swanee Halloween here uh over in the states over in florida but you're also doing some other tour dates as well now automaton yeah. was released in 2017 what what type of tour is this going to be supporting is there something else coming around the corner that we don't know about or is this just kind of just to get out there because the fans wanted it i know that we're coming over to do halloween uh late no, late october but We've actually done the majority of the the, uh, the dates for the automaton tour and then festivals through this through this year. So um, there aren't actually that many dates to do. There's another there's a date in Moscow, and then and then that's that's pretty much it. Uh, um, certainly as far as yeah. uh, as far as we're aware at the moment. So it's pretty much Florida is the last is the, certainly the penultimate date of of the run. Things things are always open to change, but that's that's the that's as it, as it stands. So if we, so, yeah. you're saying that if we made enough noise, we could probably get a couple more dates while you're over here on this side of the pond. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that would be great. That would be great. We'd love to do that. Honestly. Honestly, yeah. we have no idea. Because Atlanta, um, I mean, yeah. Atlanta, I, I can't, I don't remember the last time you were in Atlanta unless you came through and I totally missed it. But I would love to see you here and might just have to just pull some strings and see what we can get done. Because Live Oak is not too far. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, start, start to make some heat. Please do. Oh, yeah. Please do. Atlanta right. is a, a great, great music city. So we would love to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We love it. What's the band? Outcast, right? Outcast from oh, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Atlanta. So when Jamiroquai is not touring, I mean, I know there's been different things. I think like uh, last year, when didn't JK's Mrs. get pregnant last year? And so you guys had to kind of do other things and whatever. Or was that a couple years ago? But I mean, is everybody just kind well, of doing always, their own thing? There's always um, downtime between between um, kind of like a, an album recording or writing and then recording. And then the release and the promotion and, and live dates start. And then yeah. really, there'll, there'll always be a little bit of downtime where, where Jay takes a break and, and we'll all take a break or go and work with them, with some other people on some other projects until, yeah. until we're kind of back, back with Jamiroquai, really. That's how it tends yeah. to roll. Well, let's talk about some yeah. of your, I mean, in, in closing in this, because I don't want to keep you guys forever, but right. uh, I do want to make okay. sure that you have an opportunity to be able to talk about some of those solo projects that you have going in during these off times. Matt, we'll start with you. I mean, what are some of the things that uh, people can look for, maybe that you got coming around the corner that is maybe somewhere close? Right. Well, I am actually working on a little bit of material of my own at the moment, but I don't think I'll be releasing it anytime soon, maybe next year. But um, in the meantime, I'm working as a producer. I'm working with a young band called Ten O'Clock Chemical, 
is a very different thing. But uh, it's cool. I like them. But they're they're just starting out. So that's that's really it. Uh, apart from that, you know, I'm just I've kind of always dedicated myself to the band. So maybe there'll be another album next year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Hey, no. might start on another one. Perfect. Ten o'clock chemical. We will keep an eye out for that for sure. Derek, what do you got going on? Well, I will be, because I DJ as well, so I will be playing at the, the, the live, I get the Halloween, I'll be doing a silent disco after we do the gig. I'm doing a silent <laughs> disco after the gig, which is going to be fun. Right? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, so everybody come along to that, put your headphones on and let's have it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm also working with, and I'm into, the, I'm into the DJing and dance music and electronic stuff and all that. So I'm working with a couple of producers. One guy's called uh, Steve Mack, who's based down in Brighton in the southern, southern part of England. Uh, so I'm going to be doing like a new, I'm going to be doing a new, like a new disco project with him, mixed with some other elements as well, kind of world elements as well. And also working with a producer called Richard Earnshaw, who's, an, who's another, he's like a soulful house, deep house, producer as well so nice. like two projects I've got going on and working with different various singers as well you know and just I'm getting out like an EP and an album uh, fingers crossed for next year fantastic so that's me that's, I mean so 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 far 2019 is looking is looking pretty good for Jamiroquai fans if you really pay attention and you follow the each individual members you guys each have something going on Paul I don't want to leave you out yeah. what, what, what what do you have going on <laughs> Earlier this year and, and uh, a little bit last year, I did some recording with Andy Taylor for a, a future Power Station album. Wow. And I know there's some live live work planned for that next year. So that could be fun. I've, I've got, um, I, I do a band, when I'm not with Jamiroquai, I, I play in a band called Brother Strut, which is like a, a kind of a jam band, soul kind of influenced jam band, which, um, which I kind of dip in and out of and, and enjoy doing. And I've got a... a a little bit of stuff that that um, that may come up with Brian Ferry. So, um, well, you know, it's it's kind of a we'll we'll have a look at the Jamiroquai schedule and and see how it all kind of pans out. But but I think the main thing is from from all of our perspectives is that um, mm. you know we love to play and and kind of be involved with music and it's uh, you know it's yeah. healthy to kind of always be kind of um, keeping your your ears open and your and your kind of um, and you know, be just being involved in in stuff because it it just it's good for your soul. So yeah, that's what we that's what we endeavor to do. Yeah. Well, I greatly appreciate yeah. all three of you coming out and uh, hanging out and spending a little time with us and kind of letting us know what's going on. And really excited about right. some of these side projects that you have going on. And definitely excited that you are coming to cool. this side of the pond to Live Oak. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be Yay. able to make that one particular show, so that's the reason why I got to push for this oh, Atlanta show. Oh, <laughs> I have to push man. for it. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> all on you now. So I'm going to have to reach out to Umi and, and try to get this fixed, <laughs> or whoever I need to reach out to. You need to do that. You need to do that, Chris. Yeah, please do that. Honestly, please do that. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so, so much for your time, and uh, we'll talk at you later. It's and a what, ladies and gentlemen, Jumeiraquai is in the house. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Take, Take care. care. Bye bye.